This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? And his name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? (laughs) The answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett. Welcome to The Takeout. You know, the audience for the show has been growing by leaps and bounds recently. And so a lot of you are maybe catching on for the first time. Let me give you a brief primer about what the show is about. The show is about people in Washington who are either in positions of power or will soon be in positions of greater power. And I ask them questions and I let them answer those questions. There are three things this show isn't. It doesn't pander. We hope it's not predictable. And it doesn't preach. I ask the questions the guest answers. The guest is never edited. And guess what happens after that? You figure out what to think about it. And that's how the show runs. It's great to have you with us. On radio stations around this country, including Sirius XM, POTUS Channel 124, CBS News Streaming, of course, on every podcast platform, and don't forget, Paramount+. Plus. Our guest this week is Representative James Comer from the 1st District of Kentucky. Why is he here at the table? By the way, the table's at the Dubliner Restaurant. Because if Republicans, as many project, secure a majority in the House of Representatives, he is quite likely to be the chairman of a very important committee, the House Oversight Committee. James Comer, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Roger. Do you expect to be the chairman of the House Oversight Committee come next year? I do. Things look uh, very promising in the midterm elections. We don't take anything for granted, but things look promising, and I believe I've secured enough support among my conference to be the next chairman of the Oversight Committee. Briefly explain to my audience what the Oversight Committee does and why and and how it's so empowered to do what it does. Well, I'll tell you what the Oversight Committee is supposed to do. Uh, the Oversight Committee is supposed to provide oversight for the executive branch. The Oversight Committee is supposed to be the committee that looks out for waste, fraud, and abuse and mismanagement in the federal government. I don't believe the Oversight Committee has done that over the last two years. And, and honestly, it's been gravitating away from that. Uh, people might have the impression the Oversight Committee is more of a, uh, a, a show-type committee that, that uh, has a lot of high-profile hearings that uh, get the headlines in the news. If you look at the composition of the Oversight Committee on both the Democrat side and Republican side, all of the squad is on the Democrat, uh, from the Democrat sides on their side. We have a majority of Freedom Caucus guys on our side. What I want to do when I become chairman of the committee is I want to bring the committee back to what its original intent was, and that is to provide oversight for the federal government and be the committee that gets the backs of the taxpayers, try to find and root out wasteful spending, uh, fraud and abuse in the, in the federal government. So in your brief description of the current composition of the committee, basically you're saying lots of far-right members, lots of far-left members. It's probably 
probably the least partisan committee in, in least Washington. Bipartisan. L- least bipartisan. Least partisan, yes. Least partisan committee. Uh, uh, the most partisan committee. Least bipartisan. bipartisan. Yeah, least yeah. bipartisan. Mo- uh, most partisan committee. You have uh, very uh, passionate members on each side of the aisle mm-hmm. on that committee. You have people that, uh, you know, are the, the main guests on uh, all the cable news talk shows at night. The, mm-hmm. the primetime cable shows on, on MSNBC, CNN, on on Fox. I know we're CBS here, but uh, the, the, the ones who are on those shows most frequently, that's who compose the oversight committee on each side, for right. better or worse. So let us just put this out on the table. You're the chairman, mm-hmm. hypothetically. What's the first item you take up for investigative business for the oversight committee well we're already doing uh the groundwork for investigations in january we've been all over the hunter biden issue one reason we think hunter biden so hunter, it, hunter biden is first hunter biden's first uh we we've just compiled uh, an amazing amount of information with respect to uh, wrongdoing from Hunter Biden. It started out as a probe of Hunter Biden. Now it's expanded into the entire Biden family. Uh, the president, unfortunately, made many uh, statements throughout the campaign and during the first year in office that he had no affiliation with any of these shady partners or any of these shady business dealings of Hunter Biden. Uh, we now know that's not true. We have you know, a pretty good amount of evidence to prove that's not true. Uh, but what we also fear now is that Hunter's shady business dealings are influencing some of the policy decisions that Joe Biden's making. And that's very serious. Can you be specific? Yeah, I can be specific. I'll give you two specific examples. Number one, Hunter Biden received money, payments from two Russian oligarchs for consulting. We don't know what type of consulting. Uh, What time frame is this? This was during the vice presidential years. And when Joe Biden became president and we uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, he put sanctions on, uh, he said, all of the Russian oligarchs, the billionaire Russian oligarch. Well, two were left off. The two that received payments, that Hunter Biden received payments from. I find that odd. Uh, another example is uh, we now have the Hunter's hard drive. Uh, I'm focusing on his banking records. He had, and I'm from a banking background. My, my family's been involved in community banks. Uh, I was a director of a community bank for, for over a decade. Years. Yeah. He had 150 suspicious activity reports filed against him. Hunter Biden does. Hunter Biden, in, in various accounts. Some of those accounts were commingled with Joe Biden. A suspicious activity report was created after September the 11th to try to track uh, foreign uh, money transfers to Americans. If you remember, the, the people that flew the planes into the buildings on September 11th, they received money from Saudi Arabia that, that were wired into accounts they used for pilot license, for uh, plane tickets, and for the partying they did in the, in the weekend before. Uh, this was created by Bush when he created the Homeland Security to try to track uh, suspicious foreign transactions. Uh, the bank that I'm affiliated with, that I was the director of, the eighth biggest Kentucky domicile bank, we might have had one SAR a quarter filed. Uh, SAR, Suspicious Activity Report. Yes, Suspicious Activity Report. He's had 150. I will go out on a limb and say that's probably the most of any person in the history of the United States. That's a a very serious uh, prediction, but I think I can say that with confidence in talking to bankers. Now, when Biden, before Biden became president, a member of Congress could request the Suspicious Activity Reports from the Department of Treasury because that's where they end up. Mm-hmm. When Biden came in, he quietly changed that rule. 
To make it more difficult now, or impossible? Impossible. Congress cannot request suspicious activity reports now. No uh, member of Congress. No can. member of Congress. In fact, Maxine Waters, before she knew Hunter Biden, had all these suspicious activity reports filed against her. Uh, Maxine Waters filed a bill, and there was language in the bill to allow Congress to have access again to suspicious activity reports. So that's two decisions, who, who, which Russian oligarchs were sanctioned by the Biden administration, and just out of the blue, changing the rules to where Congress cannot access suspicious mm-hmm. activity reports. Can you access them with a subpoena from the Oversight Committee? Well, we're going to, we probably will find out. Hopefully uh, the president will do what Maxine Waters is encouraging him to do. And Maxine give, Waters, just for the audience's benefit, senior Democrat, former chairman of the ba- chairwoman of the Banking Committee. Yep. And, uh, you know, obviously a, a very uh, prominent Democrat in, in Congress. And she feels, as I do, that Congress should have access to suspicious activity report. Back to your original statement about the goal of the Oversight Committee, should you become chairman, to look out for the American taxpayers. What are the implications? Are there criminal implications of what you just described? Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at, you know, and we can go further, when you, you look at Hunter's suspicious dealings in the Congo with the rare earth mineral transaction where he brokered a deal from an American company to a Chinese company, we need those rare earth minerals to make batteries for electric vehicles. Biden has been just adamant about pushing everyone into electric. I'm, uh, Renewables, with the, exactly. With, yeah. yeah. We become more dependent on China when that happens because all the rare earth minerals that are used to make batteries now just about are controlled by, by China. Is this a decision that Joe Biden made because of some of Hunter's previous transactions? Did he cancel the Keystone Pipeline but approve uh, pipelines in Europe because of Hunter's previous dealings with Ukrainian oil companies. I mean, there are a lot of decisions that Joe Biden made that that we don't know if they were made. They were bad decisions, I think, because you look at where we are in the economy. Were they made because of Hunter's shady business dealings? Do you believe, because you're describing a sort of core level of interfamily corruption, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you believe that the President of the United States, Joe Biden, is that corrupt? I believe that his son is that corrupt. I believe he loves his son. And I believe that uh, they have accounts that are commingled. I believe that, uh, you know, he has helped Hunter Biden uh, be able to profit from his last name. And now he's, you know, having to do things that probably aren't in the best interest of the American people just to be able to protect his son. Uh, Any father would probably do that. But the problem is Hunter Biden's a national security threat. And you saw the tape that just came out this week where Hunter said his father would do anything that he asked him and all that. Well, that's let me, what. Let, let me stop you right there. James Comer, that is the voice of James Comer, Congressman, First District of Kentucky, and likely the next chairman of the Oversight Committee in the House of Representatives. I'm Major Garrett, segment two of The Takeout, in just one moment. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move, or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. 
That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Continuing our conversation here at the Dubliner. It's breakfast time. We're probably going to skip over breakfast. I just got coffee and water. Doing a little bit of lean this week, folks. James Comer is our guest. He is the Republican congressman, first district of Kentucky. But importantly, for the contours of this conversation, if Republicans, again, as projected, nothing is guaranteed, secure a majority in the House of Representatives, then he will be the incoming chairman of the House Oversight Committee. We talked a lot about Hunter Biden. So I want to make sure I understand what you're saying, Congressman. Hunter Biden's activities are relevant not just when Joe Biden was vice president, but relevant as he is president. And let me ask again, do you believe there are criminal implications to the things you just described? I believe there are criminal implications for Hunter Biden. I'm confident of that. Uh, Now, with respect to the president, uh, we haven't found criminal implications with the president, but we do believe that he's made important policy decisions that have affected every day, every American, based upon uh, being Hunter's shady business dealings. We believe that Hunter has compromised Joe Biden in certain areas of, of foreign policy. And let me ask you this. Uh, there is a Justice Department investigation mm-hmm. of Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. So for those in the audience who may think to themselves, well, no one's really looking into it, Unless, other than you obsessed Hunter Biden Republicans, you would say, no, the Biden Justice Department has says it has got an active, ongoing, mm-hmm. comprehensive investigation. Are you confident that investigation will get to the truth? I think that investigation is focused on tax evasion. I don't think that investigation is focused on a lot of the areas where we're investigating. Do you think Biden. it should be? I think it should be, uh, but I believe that we're going to be able to provide a lot of evidence, especially when we become the majority. Of, of wrongdoing and suspicious activity on, on the part of Hunter Biden that we believe... And maybe do some legwork for the Justice Department. We, we'll, we'll do some legwork for the Justice Department. I, I'll be honest, I don't have 100% confidence that uh, Merrick Garland and, and the, the Justice Department is going to uh, make this a priority. My concern is they might try to indict Hunter between the midterm elections in January. That indictment then would make it hard for our subpoena to be uh, uh, effective with with Hunter, because if we subpoena Hunter Biden and he doesn't respect the subpoena, then we take it to court. The court would probably say, well, he's under indictment by the Justice Cabinet. Or Merrick Garland could could appoint a special counsel, and then that would take our ability to get Hunter in front of a congressional investigation, uh, investigative committee, impossible. So, folks, let me uh, describe what I think Congressman Comer is describing. A scenario in which the Justice Department, which is nominally answerable to the President of the United States named Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. produces an indictment, if I hear you correctly, on a narrow charge in a narrow lane of this investigation, thereby freezing, you fear, the ability of the Oversight Committee to go more broadly into these larger issues. And that freezing concept, though it's an indictment and it feels heavy and portentous, perhaps, if I hear you correctly, protects Hunter Biden more than jeopardizes him. That's exactly right. 
that's why I've not been one of the uh, voices that has said we need to have a special counsel looking into Hunter Biden. That would not work at all. Look how long uh, this this uh, last special counsel has taken. Every special counsel mm-hmm. takes much longer than it's uh, supposed to take. So we believe that uh, we can really get going. If we don't have Hunter Biden in front of the Oversight Committee, we're going to have some of his business associates. We're going to have some of the banks that he banked with that he received countless violations from. Serious violations. And I know what a serious bank violation is because I was director of a bank for over a decade. Uh, I've never seen anyone with as many bank violations as Hunter Biden had. I don't think that uh, when the report came out, and I believe CBS was the the, uh, news agency that broke it, that he had 150 suspicious activity reports. I don't believe people realize how serious a suspicious activity report is and that they were put in place to catch terrorists funneling money into the United States. So he's doing business with some bad actors he's doing business with you know if you're on the sanctions list and you try to do business with someone in the united states then you get a suspicious activity report if you're trying to do business with a country like venezuela or syria or a country that we have problems with then you your account is automatically frozen the bank files a suspicious activity report to have 150 of those filed i mean that's unprecedented mm-hmm. anything else other than hunter biden Oh, absolutely. What? You know, we're, we're good. from a high-profile standpoint, mm-hmm. we've been very uh, involved in the uh, origination of COVID-19. Our Republican committee staff are the ones that unearthed the emails between Fauci and Collins, where uh, initially in the very beginning, the, the advisors said this is obviously a lab leak. This obviously came from uh, something man-made in a, in a lab. We are not going to let up on that. I think the American people deserve to know the truth about COVID-19. They, they deserve to have a government trying to actually find the truth about uh, where the COVID-19 originated from. We've spent a lot of taxpayer dollars in the name of COVID. And, and we need to get uh, closure to this. And we need to make sure that it never happens again and hold people accountable for that. So we're going to also we've been involved in the border so me, security. Me, so just, you mentioned a couple of names just for the benefit of the audience, Anthony Fauci yeah. and Francis Collins. The emails you believe are indicative or suggestive. Now, Anthony Fauci has been on this program uh, many times. Mm-hmm. Every time during COVID, I've asked him about the origins. And he has said he believes that it is not lab originated Mm -hmm. but came from a market and he said there is more and more the last time he was on the show very recently said the academic research points to that you disagree i disagree 100 percent the academic research that he's referring to initially advised him that you know this is obviously a lab leak i mean where else would it come from they're doing gain-of-function research in this lab and gain-of-function research is what I would say to the viewer, it's mad science. It's stuff that you're not really supposed to be doing. It's illegal to do gain. It's changing the genetic uh, DNA. Uh, you're, you're, of it's viruses. Ma- of viruses. Of COVID viruses, specifically. So obviously this it was came. going on from your yeah. investigation and your belief structure uh, in the Wuhan lab. Absolutely. There's no question. And the implications of that are what? Well, the implications of that are we use taxpayer dollars to help create COVID, uh, we had projects going on with EcoHealth Alliance with taxpayer dollars. Our committee proved that, that, that the, the NIH gave money to EcoHealth Alliance. They used it for gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab. So if I hear you correctly, subpoenas to Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci. Well, we're going you know, we, to ask that they come before the committee first before we, we subpoena. 
but uh, certainly if necessary. If necessary, we will do that. We will subpoena both. We will, if necessary. But regardless, we are going to have some of these people that communicated with Dr. Fauci early on and said that this is obviously a lab leak. This is obviously a man-made virus from looking at the DNA sequence. So I think that we're going to have some really quality hearings in the first three months of a Republican majority in the Oversight Committee, regardless of whether we get the Hunter Bidens or Dr. Fauci's or Dr. Collins. We're certainly going to do everything in our ability, I am as chairman, to get them in front of the committee. If that includes subpoenas, then we will do subpoenas. And just for the audience's benefit, when you talk about funding, so there are some streams of U.S. funding for gain of function. Yes. That's not been denied. Yes. Does that mean the United States is responsible for COVID-19? I don't think anyone wanted COVID-19 to happen. I think that it was an accident. I really do. I don't think China would have unleashed COVID-19 on their own people in in Wuhan. However, the cover-up is always worse than the crime. And what I believe we have here is a cover-up on behalf of the Chinese government. You know, when Dr. Fauci says he believes it came from a marketplace, the the World Health Organization was part of a, a, a... a group that came in and tested every animal in China that was on the, you know, from rats to cats to bats to everything. They couldn't find anything. You know, the one animal that they didn't test, they didn't test those lab mice in the Wuhan lab. No one knows what happened to those lab mice in Wuhan lab. Mm-hmm. But they che- they were grabbing rats on the street, mice, testing them to see if they started COVID-19. Why didn't they test? The, the actual animals that were in the Wuhan lab. But this would be mostly China's fault, not the United States' fault. It's, it is China's fault. But I believe Dr. Fauci and, and some people in uh, the United States had knowledge of what's going on. To completely dismiss that the origination of COVID-19 was from the Wuhan lab without sending a, a real research team in to, to investigate, that, that's pretty bad representation of the United States owned by, by, by Dr. Fauci. That is the voice of James, James Comer, 1st District of Kentucky, Republican, likely the incoming chairman of the House Oversight Committee. And you just heard yet another area of inquiry for that committee if, in fact, he takes the leadership. I'm Major Garrett, segment three of The Takeout, just one moment. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cashback really adds up. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. I'm Major Garrett. The Dubliner is our host restaurant this week. Always happy to be here. Been here many, many times before. One of the reasons, well, it's a great place. It's very near Capitol Hill and convenient for our guest this week, James Comer. A little bit of biography on James Comer. So I looked this up, Congressman. Supposed to do that. You know, I'm supposed to look things up. Right. I appreciate that. So uh, before he was in the United States House of Representatives, he was agriculture commissioner in the great state of Kentucky, Bluegrass State. Born in Tompkinsville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Now, folks, pay attention. Get your ears. This is in central Kentucky. Tompkinsville is. County seat of Monroe County. The reason it's named Tompkinsville, I have learned, 
It's after Vice President Daniel Tompkins. He was vice president to James Monroe. Right. Do I have all that right? You have it right. We're the only county and city uh, in America that's the county's name for the president and the city uh, county seat is named after the vice president. There we go. Yeah. That's what you come here for, folks. Come on. <laughs> come on. So I want to go back to Hunter Biden just for a second because I might have left something on the floor and I don't like to leave things on the floor. You said a lot of things about Hunter Biden and the implications for the current president, Joe Biden. Impeachable? I haven't seen that yet. You know, we... Some of your colleagues I know, in your party I have. know, I know. You know, the, the Democrats really saturated uh, impeachment. I mean, you, 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 impeachment is a serious thing. We could, we could impeach Joe Biden in the House probably on, in the beginning of January, but the Senate's not going to convict. So I don't think we should waste energy on impeaching Joe Biden. We've got to go in and undo a lot of the damage of the Biden administration right off the bat. We've got to get this economy going in the right direction. We've got to get inflation under control. I don't think that we need to have a lot of, uh, you know, hyper-partisan hearings. Now, with respect to Hunter, we have evidence of wrongdoing, and we do believe that Joe Biden's making some bad policy decisions because of being compromised by hunters bad business dealing so mm. we're focused on that uh the decision to impeach or not will be made by kevin mccarthy and steve scalise that's above my pay grade but right now i just i think we need to focus as a conference on day one going in and trying to undo the damage of the biden policies since you mentioned kevin mccarthy's name he is the current house minority leader meaning the senior most Republican in the House conference. Is there any doubt in your mind that if Republicans secure a House majority, he will be the next Speaker of the House? No, he will be the next. Kevin McCarthy will be the next Speaker of the House. And the ongoing low-level fascination about schisms within the House Republican conference and possibly undermining his path to the speakership, what would you say about that? Well, we have a few people that would like to undermine his path to the speakership. I don't think that's any secret. You can turn on cable news tonight and, and you will see some of them uh, trying to do that every given day. But I think at the end of the How does day... That sit with you? What's that? How does that sit with you? I, I don't like it. I wish that uh, we would focus on uh, a shared goal, and our shared goal as Republicans in the House of Representatives should be to undo the damage of the Biden administration, the the, the bad Biden pie, uh, policies. Uh, all You're the not Biden a fan crisis. of circular firing Yeah, spots. no, we don't need a circular firing squad. But you know, Mary, Major, the Democrats have the same problem. Mm -hmm. We're going to have some high-profile Republicans that are going to try to do everything they can to undermine Kevin McCarthy. Uh, unfortunately, in this new age of politics, a lot of these Republicans can raise more money online when they attack other Republicans versus attacking Democrats. So that's the business model. What does that mean to you in politics? You've been in this game a while. Yeah, it, it just, I hate it. It's getting worse all the time. Both parties have the problem. Mm -hmm. So this isn't a problem unique to the Republicans. The Democrats have the same problem. And I believe that... But uh, stridency sells, attacking in your ranks, uh, gets you more visibility absolutely. and small-dollar donations from people outside of your district. That's right. Yeah, and that's... Because a, you're taking on uh, whatever. Yeah, the rhinos or whatever the they call them. or yeah, whatever. Right, right. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Fortunately, the overwhelming majority of our conference will be together. Mm -hmm. We will be uh, behind Kevin McCarthy, and we will be focused on a Republican agenda that... Uh, tries to get our economy back on track and get spending under control. So there will be some in my audience. This show has a wide reach, Absolutely. Congressman, very wide reach. Republicans, Democrats, independents listen to this show. Some of the Democrats will say, why are you so 
in favor of Kevin McCarthy. To Democrats in my audience, he is a craven political figure mm -hmm. who says one thing right after January 6th privately or within your conference ranks, and then when confronted with it, either tries to deny it or says something completely different. To them, they think he is just the epitome of an opportunist. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? Well, I would say Republicans would say the exact same thing about Nancy Pelosi. Which doesn't necessarily make it right, it just makes it reality. That's just the reality. It's tough. I'm very close with Mitch McConnell. Mm -hmm. uh, we're both from Kentucky. I've known him my entire life. Uh, we usually fly out of Louisville to Washington on the same flight, sit together, talk. You know, he. Uh, it's tough being the leader. It's a, Unfortunately, it's a partisan business that we're in. If you're the leader of your conference, whether you're Pelosi or Kevin McCarthy or Mitch McConnell or Chuck Schumer, it's a partisan business that you're in. So uh, there are a lot of people that are that, that get despised by partisan politics. And unfortunately, that's uh, that's where we are. Right Let now. me ask you about Mitch McConnell for a moment, uh, because as you are quite well aware, the former president, former President Trump, mm -hmm. has kind of a thing about Mitch McConnell, mm -hmm. calls him old crow, right. calls him a loser calls him someone who is injurious to the Republican Party, not only on policy, but its overall long-term political interests. What do you think about all that? Well, I think it's unfortunate. Uh, like I said I think earlier. it's probably wrong, I would gather. Well, you know. Mitch, you don't call him old crow, no, I'm, no, I'm guessing. When you sit no, down next no, to him I, on the plane look, back to I don't to always agree with Mitch McConnell. There, mm -hmm. There's a lot of history of differences of, of opinion between uh, me and Mitch McConnell. But at the end of the day, I respect his leadership. He's I not think, old crow. No, I think he wants to do the right thing. And in politics, what I think is right is probably different than what you think is right. But, but we try to, at the end of the day, come together. And I think one of the things that Trump never liked about McConnell is the fact that at the end of the day, he tried to get to 60. And if you get to 60, you're going to have to get a few Democrats along the way. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's a problem that... that you know, Schumer has with, with some Democrats. They don't think he's hard enough on cinema and, and mansion. And, but, you know, it's it's tough to get to 60. The way the founding fathers created the sure. Senate, they sure. wanted there to be compromise. And it's, sure. it's, it's easier to be Kevin McCarthy or Nancy Pelosi and just focus on your own party than it is to be McConnell or Schumer and have to cross the aisle. Right. But that old crow thing and the thing between former President Trump and Mitch McConnell is another circular firing squad. Doesn't seem to do much good for your side. It, it does not. Uh, they're both uh, way above my uh, my pecking order in the in the uh, food chain, so I'm not going to comment a whole lot on it. But I, I wish they would try to get along. But look, when I first got elected, Major, I was on Air Force One, and President by President Trump had just been elected a few weeks, and I'd just been in Congress a few months. We flew to Louisville together and back on Air Force One, and, and I got to ride in the private office on the way back on Air Force One with Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. I can tell you that they weren't fond of each other then, and it's only gotten worse since then. So. Understood. <laughs> I want to ask you another thing about the Oversight Committee. Um, are there matters, and if there are, please explain what they are, relevant to Alejandro Mayorkas, mm -hmm. the current Absolutely. Cabinet Secretary Absolutely. of the Department of Homeland Security and Immigration? Yeah, you know. You mentioned impeachment earlier. If there's anyone that uh, is at the top of the list that has enough to be impeached in this administration, in my opinion, it's Mayorkas. And you know, the, what we've seen on the border, it, it's criminal. They're, talking it, it's to the border, criminal. I'm sorry? It's criminal. You it just is said. criminal. We, we are tying, this administration is tying the hands of Border Patrol agents. You can talk to any one of them. Rank or file. I don't care if it's the lowest or you go all the way up to Brandon Judd, who's the head of the, the union. They 
all say every day this administration comes out with new rules and regulations and policies that make them have to spend more time uh, changing diapers, uh, doing paperwork, doing anything they can except being on that border, uh, letting people go, you know, transporting them somewhere just to see them, you know, uh, go out and be released. So uh, we are very dissatisfied with what's going on the border. We've had a record number of illegals cross this month. It's only getting worse. Uh, when the administration comes out in a bad situation and says we're going to suspend Title 42, that just is an invitation for even more people to come. Now we're not just seeing people from Mexico and Central America across the border. We're seeing people from Turkey, Syria, Uzbekistan, everywhere in the world. They're coming to Mexico, and then they're walking across the border, and then we have no idea what happens to them. That's wrong, and that needs to stop. That is the voice of James Comer. We have segment four of The Takeout coming up in just a moment. We're at the Dubliner restaurant. Kind of a light breakfast this morning, coffee and water. I'm not fasting or anything, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry about that. More of our conversation about immigration and Secretary Mayorkas. You just heard the impeachment word a second ago when we get back. Thanks. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. I'm Major Garrett. The Dubliner is our host restaurant. Always happy to be here. James Comer is our guest. And we've underlined this, but just to remind you, because people coming in and out of the show, he's an ordinary backbench Republican right now, ranking Republican on the House Oversight Committee. But if things change in November, he will be the chairman of a committee that has broad investigative authority. You just said impeaching a cabinet secretary. Really? You, you asked about impeachment. So I said if anyone was a prime candidate for impeachment right now, it would be he's Mayor. He's at the top of the list. Because he's said. not doing his job on the border. It's getting worse every day. I mean, we, why are they letting all these illegals come in? They're, they're terrorists. They're, they're bringing fentanyl. They're human trafficking. Crime is increasing. You saw with the special election in Texas this week, even the Texas Hispanic, is 34th district. Yeah. Even the Hispanic voters want border security. So, so Shouldn't be a surprise. The, the American people expect the federal government to, to protect us. That's the major role of, of the government, whether you're a Republican or Democrat. And we are not seeing that on the southern border. The, the Biden administration has basically sent an invitation to the world. You come across the border now anytime you want. And he has made the border patrol under Mayorkas. He's made the border patrol a welcoming committee to to hundreds of thousands of illegals crossing that border illegally every month. Now, the secretary would say, and I don't speak for him, but I just know what he has said publicly, that lots of people are being stopped. The numbers are high because lots of people are coming. It's not my fault that they're coming. The numbers are high in terms of interdictions and stopping because people are coming. That's what he would say. I'll get you a moment to respond. On fentanyl, he would say, and the numbers back him up, most fentanyl comes through ports of entry. Ports of entry are technologically reinforced, and they're reinforced with personnel. Some of our best fentanyl detecting and drug detecting technology is at ports of entry, but still they come through there, mostly through there. So he's like, well, that's not my fault. I've got technology. I've got people there. We're stopping it. 
but we can't stop all of it. Those are two points. Again, I don't speak for the secretary, but you know that's what he has said. I'd like you to respond. I completely disagree. That's false, and he's been told that's false by the Border Patrol agents. Uh, when they see something uh, at, at custom uh, going across the border, that's intentional. That's just the Mexican drug lords trying to send something through there every now and then uh, to so Mayorkas can say what he just said. It's all coming uh, across the border like that. It's through ports of entry. Through ports of entry. It is not. It, the majority of the fentanyl is coming across uh, on the backpacks of illegals. Every Border Patrol agent will tell you that. Uh, Who the, are coming across in other less protected yeah, areas. Yeah, so what, what the, the drug cartel is doing now, they will send something through a port of entry to get caught just, just to, so the administration can say, look, we've got this fentanyl. But the overwhelming majority is being sent across the border on foot. How do you know that? I know that because the Border Patrol agents say that. This is what the Border Patrol agents will tell you. This is what the local law enforcement will tell you. And you'll you have them up before the committee? Absolutely. We've been meeting with them for, for the past You've been years. preparing for this? I have, I, have been to, I have taken the Republicans on the Oversight Committee to Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. And we have heard the same story from local law enforcement in all four states. And Border Patrol agents in all four states. I've been to the San Diego uh, Border Patrol. We've been to the Yuma, Arizona Border Patrol. We've been to the El Paso Border Patrol. We've been to all of these, and we hear the exact same thing. So when the, the, the Mexican drug cartel is in charge of transporting these illegals, so they're paying the cartel to, for, to transport them through Mexico to the border. They take these big uh, groups of people, 75 and 100, and they have them all walk across at the same time. Well, the, you have one or two Border Patrol agents will go to those 75 people who walk across the border who are just mm-hmm. paying the cartel to get in the United States. And then while they're occupied with those 70, they'll send three drug runners with, with backpacks full of fentanyl up the road a mile because they know the Border Patrol agents are occupied. This is what they've been doing ever since Biden took office. And there's nothing being done about it. And they were doing it during the Trump administration. It's, it's they been, were it's been trying to go yes. after them during the Trump administration. Right. Right. All right. Yeah. What are the implications in your district and in the state of Kentucky in terms of fentanyl? It's terrible. We, we, it's the drug of choice now. This is where the, the drug deaths are occurring from fentanyl. And because talk, people become addicted to prescription drugs, then this is a less expensive, more... Obtainable, it is, and they're seeing fentanyl, and it's uh, a higher potency, and they mistake it, and then they die. Yeah, more and more things are being laced with fentanyl now in Kentucky. All the drug enforcement agents in Kentucky, all the local law enforcement agents in Kentucky, tell me that uh, the biggest drug problem is fentanyl. Ironically, the second biggest drug problem now is crystal meth. They said all of this is coming from the Mexican border. It's all coming up across Mexico. Then they take it, get on an interstate, and then they spread out all over the United States. So this is affecting people in Wisconsin. This is affecting people in Idaho. This is affecting people in Kentucky. And it's because of a lack of border security, an intentional lack of border security by the Biden administration because they think they're in some in some uh, areas being politically correct. Uh, they believe you have these activists in the Biden administration that I think uh, believe that it's racist and you're discriminating, not letting people come into the United States. We want people to come into the United States. There's a legal process for people to come to the United States, not to pay the Mexican drug cartel to transport you across the border. That is not how you become an American citizen. And it's, it's just uh, it's the worst of all the bad policies of the Biden administration, what's going on in the border. And it's affecting the taxpayers. We know in the Oversight Committee there's so many young, unaccompanied minors crossing the border 
that the government's having to do no bid contracts to all these people to be able to do temporary housing and provide shelters for these young people. There's no transparency on where this money's going. Uh, a lot of developers are going out buying old motels and old strip malls and just converting them overnight to shelters for young kids who knows what's going on in those shelters this is an enormous expense to the taxpayers so we're going to find out how much this is costing the taxpayers you know the the when they drop those kids across the fence that time everybody remembers when they dropped a little kid across the fence mm-hmm. and the border patrol picked it up there around el paso the government flew those two kids on a plane to new york city to to unite them reunite them with their mother who's an illegal in New York City working as, as a maid for a, a, a small business there. So the government knew that they spent tax dollars to fly these children to New York City to be with their mother, which was noble, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing the mother's an illegal, working for a, a private company, which is illegal, and they dropped them off, probably left a bunch of baby formula and, and diapers and, and flew back. This is not what the American people expect their tax dollars to be spent on, but yet this is what the Biden administration and Mayorkas' Homeland Security Department are spending taxpayer dollars on. We've got about a minute left. I want to get one more issue in very quickly. The war in Ukraine continues. Yesterday, we're recording this on uh, June 16th, the Defense Secretary described it like World War I. Lots of bombs, lots of death, civilian and military, very little movement. Will the Republican Congress, if it's a majority in the next Congress, continue to send money to support Ukraine? I think we want to have hearings. Uh, we want to know exactly where the money's going. Uh, if there's a sense of confidence that the money is being spent wisely, then I think... What's your overall assessment to date? That it is? I, I'm skeptical, but I think a majority of Republicans support spending more money uh, on Ukraine if they know the money is... If they're going to be transparent with that $40 billion. $40 billion is a lot of money. That was already sent there. We want to know where it was spent. We don't ever want to see what happened in Afghanistan happen in Ukraine. Very good. That is the voice of James Comer. He is the congressman, 1st District of Kentucky, and quite likely, if you hear him correctly, the incoming chairman of the House Oversight Committee. For our radio audience, we need to say farewell. For those watching on CBS News streaming and listening on podcast platforms, stay tuned for the Takeout Outtake Especial. We'll see you next week. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome to your Takeout Outtake Especial. I'm Major Garrett. Dubliner is our host restaurant. Always glad to be out and about as we are doing a little bit more of that post-COVID. You know, we're happy to be out and about again. James Comer is our special guest, Congressman, 1st District of Kentucky. This is the fun and games part of the conversation. We'll get to that in a minute, but one other issue we didn't get to. There are conversations going on in the United States Senate, I'm sure you're well aware of, on trying to merge some gun safety and some school safety and some mental health intervention. There's a framework. You mentioned Mitch McConnell favorably earlier in the program. He has given his 
political and policy blessing to these conversations based on what you've read and seen? Could you be supportive of that? Well, I, as I also said about McConnell, there are certain things I don't agree with McConnell on, and uh, I'm pretty firm in my interpretation of the Second Amendment. Uh, I strongly support more school safe, uh, safety funding. I strongly support uh, more funding for mental health, uh, detection, and awareness. Uh, but when it comes to gun control, I'm, I'm totally opposed. Mm-hmm. So when you hear incentivizing states to draft, according to their own political dictates, red flag laws, what do you think? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in states' rights. I'm a big believer that states should be able to uh, uh, dictate their own policy. Which is what this framework Which sounds is like. Which what it is does. What it do. I, I like that part. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to, to see what the final version is. But I can tell you, uh, if there are... If there are gun control provisions in there, then I'm You're probably no. a no. You're yeah. a no. Mm-hmm. Understood. All right. And I want to ask this question because it came up in a recent CBS News poll. 40% of Republicans in that poll mm-hmm. said that unfortunately, and this is how the question was phrased, unfortunately, mass shootings are just something we have to live with in this country. Do you agree with that? Well, I... I hope that there's never another mass shooting, but I believe that uh, you have evil people in America, and I know every time there's a mass shooting, there are a lot of people that expect Congress to do something, and at the end of the day, you cannot legislate against evil. So, unfortunately, there are probably going to be more shootings in America, but I believe we need to do everything in our ability in Congress to uh, try to make our schools harder, make them more fortified, to where the shootings don't happen in a school. Uh, we should not have a school where a shooter can physically walk in off the street. Are you comfortable with teachers being armed? I am comfortable with teachers being armed. Now, my mother was a public school teacher. She would not have wanted to have been armed, but she would have been fine with other teachers that uh, were skilled in, uh, uh, in shooting uh, that would have... Uh, voluntarily gone to take training classes Mm -hmm. she would have been fine with that she i think if you look at what kentucky's tried to do we've say giving the teachers the choice if you want to be armed and you're willing to take classes to train then you can be armed in the school but if you're a teacher who does afraid of guns doesn't want any part of guns then then you shouldn't be forced to have guns so that that's what i support Mm -hmm. and and i believe my mom has passed away she would have supported the same thing she would not have wanted to have held a gun but she would have been fine and probably felt safer in school if the, the basketball coach or whatever had a gun. Understood. So we have three uh, threshold questions we ask every guest on this show. So take them in whichever order you prefer. <laughs> Most influential book in your life, all-time favorite movie. And if you're on a long drive across the great bluegrass state of Kentucky and you're really enjoying music, what kind of music, artist, or genre are you most likely to listen to? Well, I'm a big 80s guy, so if I'm on Sirius XM, I listen to Hair Nation a lot, so <laughs> I'm into that. Uh, the, the drive, uh, I love driving across the 1st Congressional District of mm. Kentucky. My district spans from, uh, from east to west, and... We, uh, you know, there's not a prettier drive in America. You go from the, the far eastern part of my district or in the edge of Appalachia, the foothills of Appalachia. You go west to the flatlands to, close to the Mississippi River. Beautiful drive. I would encourage anyone to, to, to do that. Most influential book in your the life. The most influential book. When I was growing up, 
Believe it or not, uh, I don't agree with anything, any of his policies, but I was fascinated with Bill Clinton's ability as, as a politician. So I you know, graduated from high school in the 90s. And uh, Bob Woodward's book, I'm trying to think of the name of it, that uh, uh, I could, the uh, uh, on the rise on the the, the uh, about Bill Clinton uh, that was very uh, influential in, in me. I wanted to be in politics. I wanted to uh, make a difference. Although I had a very different ideology mm-hmm. than than Bill Clinton. As soon as we get off there, I'll figure the name of the book. Uh, but but uh, uh, it's, <laughs> someone on my staff will look it up. Uh, All time favorite movie. All time favorite movie. I'm a Star Wars fan. So. Yeah. So uh, this is a really important distinction for Star Wars fans. Yeah. All right, you know Star Wars begins with number four, right? My, I, I know all about number it. Number one, two, and three. Yeah, are they well, as good well, as the, four, the five, and six? Of, the best of all the Star Wars movies was the original. Four, New Hope. Four, number yes, four. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. And that, Congressman, we completely agree. All right. One, two, and three. Should never have been made, in my opinion. But anyway, that's not my call. It wasn't my commercial decision. I'm certainly not the director or writer, but I am the host of this show. Thanks for listening to Takeout Out, Take a Special. We'll see you next week. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them? and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Some puzzles are hard to solve. Others are hard to prove. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Access episodes early and ad-free with 48 Hours Plus on Apple Podcasts.